Africa Climate Podcast. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Africa Climate Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bridging the climate and environment reporting gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Now, in the spirit of just celebrated World Environment Day on 5th of June, we feature a Kenyan indigenous community living in harmony and sustainably with nature, the Enderoys community. Kiborgoj Swamp, formerly known as the Loboi Swamp, is a lifeline for Kenya's Enderoys community, an indigenous community of estimated 60,000 people living around Lake Bogoria in Baringo County in Kenya's Rift Valley. Bogoria is one of Kenya's Rift Valley lakes and a Ramsar site famed for its geysers and its vast population of flamingos, sadly, also among Kenya's flooding Rift Valley lakes. Women depend on the swamp to collect papyrus reeds they use to make sleeping mats, leisure mats, sofa sets, and roofing materials. The swamp is a source of food and medicine. The community elders designated the swamp a dry season grazing zone for the community. In 2015, the swamp and the adjacent land of about 2,000 acres were registered as a community conservancy, the Kiborgoch Community Wildlife and Wetland Conservancy. How did the Enderoys community elders ensure the swamp protection years ago? The conservancy manager, Joel Kituiki Prop, explains. Actually, this Kiborkoch conservancy, major of it was, was a wetland. From here to the northern part, it's going about around 7 to 8 kilometers. It was actually covered by water. And, and we have a type of grass there. It is like controlling the flow of water. So whenever they are having use of water, it's like it is going to block those water so that it covers the whole area and moderate it poly poly. So the whole area was actually a wetland, but we have some gullies which add more water. So when it is raining, the whole area is going to be covered with water and the grass is going to be made everywhere. So this grass is going to be utilized maybe for nearly six months. By then people were very few and there were a lot of grass. So the grass, they were enough that you don't need even the, to regulate the mode of, of grazing. But in late 90s, the land started grazing. They started this idea of regulating grazing by the elders. They used to call it Kofunga Quarantine, whereby you are not supposed to pass here. Yeah. yeah. Like if it's going to rain, for example, today, they will give around three days like that. And then after that, they are going to close. Nobody is going to enter the swamp. And that was elders and alone. Nobody was controlling them. They were controlling themselves. And then by then they say all animals, because at that moment people are so good. So whatever they, they have been decided is going to follow like that. So they say nobody is going to enter the swamp today. You can go the upper side. You normally have a dry land. So they could go around a, a month. So at that moment, the grass is going to germinate there and it's going to be enough after a month. It's going to be enough for all of them. They start now opening. By then, they had some pains that when an animal or somebody enters wrongly, it's going to be marked. So it is going to be shown by the marks that this animal actually entered the, the swamp. At that moment, it was quarantine. Kiprop told the Africa Climate Podcast that before 1990, nearly 75% of the land was a wetland. But in the late 90s, the swamp shrunk. The land degraded and the grass and shrubs started disappearing due to ongoing wildlife fires. Today, the swamp occupies about 15% of the total conservancy area. <laughs> 
The swamp degradation was of concern to the Chilabo women group. In 1997, the women group registered their community-based organization and made mats from the papyrus reeds. Located two kilometers to Lake Bogoria and made of 25 women aged between 20 to 80 years old, the women joined hands to mobilize their community to help them save this wetland. However, Salina Lalok, the Chilaba Women Group Chair Lady, told the Africa Climate Podcast that a worldwide fund for nature training helped them understand what papyrus reeds to cut and how to harvest them. We saw other women meet the mats. We envied them. We visited to see how they did. We used to knit the mats, air them on trees. When it rained, they would be damaged. WWF came to the area. They linked us to some communities in Kisumu who need them months for training. On visiting Kisumu, we were shocked. There, the men do the knitting. When they took us harvesting, it shocked us knowing that we harvested immature reeds. We came back, taught our members on how and what to harvest, dry them and knit. We also used to cut it haphazardly three times, but we learned how to cut them efficiently. The papyrus is a highly productive plant. Papyrus swamps not only trump sediments and pollutants entering water bodies, but are breeding grounds for fish and grazing fields for animals. Lolok says apart from harvesting the reeds for economic benefit, the swamp is a source of medicine for the community, another motivator to protect it. We started conserving the swamp when we started knitting the mats. Years back, people used to destroy the swamp. Uncontrolled cutting and burning was very rampant. We started educating people about the importance of the swamp. We tell them to help us conserve it as we depend on it for the papyrus reed. And it is a source of livestock fodder. We also get medicinal plants that cure common cold, diarrhea, and vomiting from the swamp. The community has helped us conserve it as they have seen us educate our children from the mats we make out of the papyrus reeds we source at the swamp. Now the swamp is a source of fish. There are many birds, zebras, snakes, even the monkey population has increased. The population has attracted the establishment of our conservation. The community conservancy wanted to throw us out of the swamp, but to ensure we still benefit from the swamp. Bogoria has seen a fair share of droughts and flooding. Since 2012, Lake Baringo's waters have been rising. Lolok says since 2000, frequent droughts have occurred in the area. Lolok says the women harvest the papyrus rotationally to ensure sustainable use of the swamp resources. The swamp is big, but we are careful to ensure it gets enough water. If the water reduces, we risk the fish growth. The fish and the crocodiles need water. If the water is enough, the fish can move and reproduce as there is enough food. We practice rational harvesting, hence once we harvest, we leave a place for about eight months to regenerate. But during drought, we leave a patch untouched for about a year. 
There are also the roofing reeds that we need, so we are careful to ensure that it regenerates. During drought, we prefer to rely on our merry-go-round alone, hence we might take a year and a half without invading the swamp. The Kiborgoch swamp is home to a large population of reptiles such as snakes and crocodile. However, Lolok says that there has never been a case of human-wildlife conflict between the women and the world animals since 1997. How have the Chalaba women achieved this? We go sourcing the papyrus reeds between 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. The animals live during mid-morning. They go on the mountain, hence currently they are not around in the swamp. We go in a team of five or more, as one cannot go alone. We speak to the animals in unison as we harvest. They hear us speak and move. One cuts the reeds while the other carries them out of the swamp to dry. By the time the animals return from 4 p.m., we are done. They bask at the banks of the swamps, drinking water, deep within the swamp. There's a lot of grass and water for the animals, and that is where we find mature papyrus reeds. The animals are used to us and our singing. Whenever they see or hear us, they just live. Deep holes are our major risk. Some places on the swamp are deep, and if you step mistakenly, one can sink. But we have learned how to line up the reeds to protect ourselves. The animals use the areas we have cleared to sunbathe and graze. Apart from conserving the swamp for future generations, the women support each other by raising and saving money to educate their children and improve their livelihood. The local people and neighboring towns make their primary markets. Margaret Kiplagat, the Cheraba Women Group Secretary, explains how the group makes money. Every woman makes one mat for the group monthly. When we get a customer, we first sell the group mats before selling individual mats. The group proceeds are saved on our account. Monthly, we save 2,300 Kenyan shillings before COVID. Previously, we sold a mat between 100 to 150, but the prices have risen to between 200 and 250. Before COVID, we would use the group savings to buy bids to diversify our income. The income enabled the woman to borrow loans, which a member would return with 10% interest within one month. You're listening to the Africa Climate Podcast, a bi-monthly podcast bridging the climate and environmental reporting gaps in Africa. With me, Sophie Mbogo. Wetlands cover around 6% of the Earth's land surface. However, 40% of all plants and animal species live and breed in wetlands. The United Nations says that one in eight people globally depend on wetlands for their livelihood. But increasing human population density is creating mounting pressure to convert wetlands into agriculture and pastureland. In addition, climate change and over-exploitation of wetland resources have resulted in 35% lost wetlands since 1970. But what lands are considered wetlands? Why is it critical to protect them? Here is Taita Terrell, a wetland ecologist from the National Museum of Kenya. Wetlands are important ecosystems. They include uh, rivers, 
you talk about swarms, you talk about even man-made uh, wetlands like the ponds that are used for fish ponds. It includes lead. And in, when you go to the Indian Ocean or the oceans, you go up to a depth of six meters. So these are very important ecosystems for humanity. And uh, from time immemorial, wetlands have been referred to as cradle of human civilization. You can talk about the Nile rivers, where it really helped Egyptians in terms of civilization. So uh, coming back home, uh, Loboi Swamp is one of the uh, wetlands that are found in, in Paringo. They are actually situated uh, between Lake Paringo and Bogoria in the eastern uh, African Rift Valley, just uh, 20 kilometers uh, north of the equator. So this wetland is very important. It's actually a lifeline for androids people living around each swamp. It actually provides the basic human needs uh, revolving around shelter. You can talk about food, energy, and uh, the importance of this wetland is that uh, people get their touching or roofing materials from the swamp, from the grass, from the papyrus. People also get fuel from this swamp, especially dry papyrus. And uh, most importantly, it also has social uh, cultural uh, importance because uh, whatever material that they get from this swamp, they are used for ceremonies, important ceremonies uh, and dances. For instance, papyrus itself, is referred to as Kutue in the local name, which actually means ground, or uh, it actually refers to prosperity. So the swamp is very key and very important to the local people. And actually, in terms of harvesting material from coming from this swamp, it's a, a really of uh, income, the local community through handicraft products. So the swamp is very key and very important. And um, because of the uh, what we are called uh, local ecological knowledge that the people have concerning this one, they are able to uh, protect it using their traditional uh, mechanisms and practices. For instance, uh, nobody is allowed actually to graze around this one during the wet season. Uh, it's only uh, this one is only utilized by the grazers only during the dry season. So that means it's a refuge, a uh, grazing ground for, for the people around this area. Um, of course, there are threats facing these small wetlands. And I can say that these wetlands are actually found across uh, Kenya. You'll find in every, every village, water, they occur actually in the midst of private lands. These swamps, they receive water from the underground springs. So they are permanent throughout the, the year. And I can give, a, give an example of a, a swamp in Nyeri called Kamahuri is such a swamp, just like Loboi. You can talk of Kaparuso in Fomet County. So these are very crucial swamps which are found in individual farmlands. And uh, without people uh, themselves uh, protecting them, you will not even hear about them. So it's very important that uh, these swamps are, are supported and they are protected by local people. And it becomes very key when the local communities are attached to it. Like now, Loboi Swamp, the people have social, cultural uses of the swamp. So by that alone, the swamp is being protected. And that is very, very important. 
as a refuge ground for 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 livestock and and human and human beings Taita told the Africa Climate Podcast that communities such as the Endoroys community of Kenya are the answer to protecting these wetlands, most of which are on private land. You see, if you tell people to conserve a wetland, they have no use over it. Then they don't see the, the need to, to, to conserve it. But take, for instance, Loboy Swamp. The communities are relying on this swamp to get their roofing materials access to grazing ground during the dry season as a refuge area for grazing animals. You see the sociocultural aspect where now their culture is linked to the wetland. They get some specific plans for their ceremonies. So once communities become very important because when they rely on it, there is a, that is a premise for conservation, premise for, for protection. So. A wetland without communities is, is, is not a wetland because then anyone can, can do any development when no one owns it. But by the value of being used by these local communities, they tend to have even local uh, management practices just to protect it, like rotation on harvesting for papyrus in the Loboy swamp. So communities are very key in conserving these wetlands. As I have said, most of this wetland occurs in private land. So if they don't see the use of these swamps, chances are these swamps will be drained away, they'll be converted into other land uses, which will actually affect our ecosystems. Because one thing about these small wetlands is that they play an important role in what we are calling ecosystem services. One is those ones that we can see, like we get our vegetables, we get our food, we get our touching materials. But there are other ecosystem services such as carbon sequestration. These are huge things of carbon, like papyrus itself. Uh, research has shown that papyrus really take up a lot of uh, carbon from the atmosphere, which is actually uh, causing global warming. So they take up a lot of carbon and store them in these plants. They are very productive within one year, They've reached the, the mature state and then they accumulate a lot of mass and they fix carbon from the atmosphere. So they are very key ecosystem. Before acquiring a national reserve status in 1973, Lake Bogoria was once the Endorais community dry season grazing land. To protect and benefit mutually from the Kiborgoch Conservancy, Kiprop says in 2013, the Kenya Wildlife Conservancy Association sold the idea of the conservancy to the community. By then, another swamp, the Kisubo Swamp, had dried up. Also, the community feared the county government would take away their grazing land now that they hold the land in trust for the community. Again, the community would lose vital grazing land, like they had lost Lake Bogoria when it was registered as a national reserve. How does the conservancy benefit this community? They benefit from it because all their livestock now, they depend solely on Kiborgo at the moment. Because all other areas, they normally have the rain one or two days because in rain is, yeah, it's, it's not so much frequent. We can receive between maybe 700 millimeter, which is quite small. That means the only place the community is going to rely on their livestock is only Kiborgoch. And secondly, we have springs at, our, at this Kiborgoch. 
and uh, as a conservancy we have actually protected two of them so that to increase the flow of water due to the conservancy and from there the communities are going to get water either domestic and also farming and also for their livestock so and again it is in this wetland they get also building material you know the normally a long time ago even up to today they get their building materials from the swamp because we have those a kind of trees which they can use to build their their houses and also we have reeds and these reeds they normally use them to tie their their houses and also we have from those reeds also uh, women group like Yalapa are using to for their community purposes but they normally make mats so that they sell and then they, they use their money maybe to educate their children and do whatever they want to do so it is actually economic benefit to the community uh, we have we agreed with Yalapa Women Group. We are partnering with them because they are using these reeds. They have given that a permit so that they do that uh, activity. They are rippling us in was having it. In a lorry, whereby they take about 700 reeds, they normally give us 350. We are, but uh, them, they may get up to 7,000. Kibargoch Swamp was first known as Loboy Swamp. But being shared by three locations, Kipkainui, Loboy, and Sendai, the community renamed it Kiborgoch. Kiborgoch is a local medicinal plant found in a swamp and used to cure arthritis. Hence, the name unites these communities in these locations, ensures ownership and shared conservation responsibility and benefits. However, it's been a long road for conservancy realization. First fronted in 2002, the Community Conservancy was formally registered in 2005. But Kiprop tells of significant challenges the Conservancy has been facing since then and how they're overcoming it. We started the Conservancy, we registered it in 2015. And from 2015, it stagnated. The county government at that moment, they did not have an idea or supporting these conservancies to go by. So it stagnated from 2015, there is no money, uh, they have no permit to collect tax up to 2019. In 2019, now we, we wrote a, a proposal to a donor, SGP. Then the SGP saw the need of helping us and they gave us seed money, uh, around 3 million, which was uh, purposely for some activities like protecting of those springs and also building a water trough and uh, piconing around the boundaries of Kovorko. We piconed so that we had some encroachers and these encroachers were those who they didn't want that consumption to exist because they are encroaching. Secondly, we say let us do some resource mapping and we did with those money. So that is 2019. We had sought permit from the county uh, and we have been given, okay, we have official opened, but COVID came. So also affected us. So from when, when we started, we have not collected any money because there is no tourist. Uh, so actually COVID-19 have actually paralyzed. So we have official opened, but we have not collected. We have staff now which are voluntary because at the moment we don't have any money. The community, we have at the moment a cost-sharing plan with the community understand. Whenever, if you get, we, uh, we have percentage that this goes to this, this goes to this, this goes to this. So, and the community are aware. And they understand now we have not collected any money. So, the rangers are actually community members. Actually, before you become a staff, you need to register as a member again. Apart from general membership of Cooper Coach, some other members, we have some special membership or registration so that you can you can be known so we have around at the moment 
registration is going on, which are, is only 200 per person because it's, we are all, uh, we, so we look for something which is comfortable for each and everyone because those are the money that we are now using to run. These staff are all from this community because this consultancy is touching the three locations. So what we normally do is shared among the three locations. If it is going to be rangers, it is going to be equal. For example, we have now, we have now uh, 27 uh, staff. Out of these 27 staff, nine comes from Loboy, another nine from Sandai, another nine from Kapkwibui. Even at the top level of the management, we shared it equally like that. Mm. Uh, even gender mainstreaming now have become a challenge earlier, but at the moment we have around six ladies, four rangers and uh, two clerks. Mm. We have registered our conservancy under two large umbrellas of the conservancies. One from Baringo, Baringo County Community Conservancies Association. Mm, yeah. And also we are registered with KWCA, which is for Kenya. For the Chalaba Women Group, COVID-19 alternating floods and drought have nearly incapacitated the group. Here is Margaret explaining how. It rained heavily in 2018. The swamp flooded. There were too many animals making it extremely hard to access the swamp. There are many huge snakes and crocodiles deep in the swamp where we access the reeds, yet we have no special shoes to use while harvesting. The soils there are spongy with huge holes, making it easy to sink. It is a risk and harvesting is a gamble. Only God who guides us as our children must eat go to school, and we want to improve our lives. So, we had to stop harvesting and production for about a year. When we returned, we tried hard to pick up from the year break. Unfortunately, drought hit. Before we could recover, COVID-19 hit and completely devastated our efforts. It was hard to meet as it was against the COVID-19 regulations. This group comes in handy, especially in raising our children's school fees. We are still working hard to recover our sales proceeds. However, despite the economic hardships after COVID, we still save 200 shillings every Friday. When one of us needs assistance, when their child is joining university or secondary school, we use the funds to support them raise the school fees. For now, the women are starting their businesses again. But markets are proving difficult. Selena and Kipragat say they had started bidding necklaces before COVID, but now that project has stalled for lack of resources and high cost of production. The bid work was very productive, but now it is very expensive to produce as we do not have the materials. Hence, we are not making many of them. We are now relying on mats alone, but unfortunately, we do not have bulk market that's helpful in raising money. Otherwise, if we get a well-wisher who can support us, we would be grateful. This will help us go back to our production as we did before. We even had started producing sofa sets and wall mats using papyrus reeds, and they were attractive sales. Additionally, we were investing in beekeeping sales. Now, with COVID travel restrictions lifted in Kenya, Kiprop urges you to consider visiting Kiborgoch Conservancy next time you visit Bogoria. But why? Uh, we have a quite number of wildlife here. We have the Reedback, which is actually very endangered. We have the Waterpark. We have several cypress there, the plain cypress. We have the 
gazelles, we have the wadok, the pigs, and the, even the kretakudu. The kretakudu, for example, the man, when it's very much dry, the only place which you can only get water here is only Kiburu. So those who are not around here is going to confide at the, at the conservancy. Even those who come from so, so far from Lakibia, they will confide at the conservancy mm -hmm. due to those availability of water. Mm -hmm. So it is, you normally call it a rescue center for wildlife and also human, uh, human and the livestock. And uh, also we have a quite number of bird species that you can watch from morning even after even a week without exhausting. We have even pythons, crocodiles, several types of snakes, we have hippopotamus, several types of fish. So where we normally measure is the bird watching. Secondly, we have the nature trails. Uh, also, we have campsites, very nice campsites like the Bascani, we have the flamingo campsite. Bye bye. And that is all we had for you today. Thank you so, so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to or follow the Africa Climate Podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and every other channel you listen to your other podcast. Also, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again soon. Kwaheri for now. My name is Sophie Mogwa. Africa Climate Podcast.